November 16, 2013, a SWAT for Pedro show.
Watch for Pedro show here in Pedro, but not at the Love Grotto with Brother Matt, instead at Cornelius Project, uh, which is the home of, uh, well, the current home of the Joe Biza art show. What's it called? It's called The Mind of Joe Biza. The Mind, that's right. And the opening was, yeah, there's Joe Biza, my guest for today. Welcome aboard, Joe Biza. Oh, by the way, we started with uh, Song of the Underground Railroad by John Coltrane and Amagar by Sawako. Uh, was it two weeks ago here, the opening? I think so. Because I went two or three. Yeah, it's a couple of weeks ago. I went away. Okay. Yeah, the opening. It was weeks. recent. Yes. And Hank was here and uh-huh. Jack. And it's up to the 20th. A lot up. of cats from your old uh, days. Yeah, it was great to see everyone. It's up to the 21st of December. That'll be the closing. Okay, oh, that's good to know. Yeah. We'll say this There'll again be an at event. The end of the show, an event then as well. Yeah, come down here and see it. You can't really. Get a sense of it over the walk from Pedro show. You can only tell you about it, Dick. <laughs> so if you, you can't there, see it on the radio. That's right. Yeah. There's a helper man from the Stooges who said when he was growing up, his parents made him uh, listen to puppet, no, juggling. Juggling over the radio. Yeah, you Listening to juggling. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, his name is Josh. I don't know. Work guy. Um, so until the twenty first, you can come down here. What's the address? It's, it's on Pacific. It's one four one seven South Pacific. Fourteen seventeen South Pacific. So it's Saturdays. Saturdays one to six. One to six. Saturdays. Saturday one to six. So it's got what three or four Saturdays left. Mm-hmm. Or maybe four. Maybe Something five. like that. Anyway, get down here if you can, people. If you can't, you're going to hear Joe Biden talk about it on the show here. Uh, Let's start from the beginning. When uh, did you start doing art? Probably What's the earliest in, thing in your mind you can let remember. Let me think. Uh, might have been junior high school or something. I went to Dotson Junior High in Pedro. So did I. Yeah, so we so would you're write. A teenager or twelve? I started in 1964. Dotson was brand new, and they started busting over the kids from That's Wilmington, right. and we'd be on the bus, you know, and and. Uh, my first time in junior high school and they had the student store and I remember these fountain pens they had and it was kind of with the cartridge you know in those days and it had certain yeah. like different colors and stuff so I I got one of those and I started you know just for school but then I started messing around what with you it mean, like art class no it was like a fountain just you know, for writing for writing for class yeah so I sort of got into the ink by looking at that you know and I started doing little drawings all of a sudden with these fountain pens instead of, you know, just writing with them. Doing things like smearing them, drawing little figures and making them look like they're moving around and stuff. So I think that's when I started getting interested in art at that point. In that way, yeah. On paper? On paper. Because I remember seeing a lot of stuff. That's where I first found out. I thought there was this lady named Wilma, or there were several of them. Oh, (laughs) Wilma's? Because the Flintstones was this... Popular. It That's, was actually a ripoff of the Honeymooners in made in Tenno in the cartoon. Right. But I had no idea coming from Virginia. That's the hey, same thing happened with one of my teachers, my biology teacher or something. He says, uh, he tells the class, because people write stuff on the walls. He goes, Who's this Wilma? I see her name all over, and the class started laughing. You know, Wilma, that's Wilma's. What is that? You know, and then we had a, some of the kids explain that was what they call Wilmington, you know. But yeah, Actually, I know that was an interesting thing. Uh, 
the bussin thing because I met cats I would have never met. Yeah, it was great. I know I mean, people same are all bum out on it and stuff, but for me, I gotta say, it, I it met was interesting. People people. You know, I did. You know, what happened is I took I I was in the early seventh grade there, and then the second half of the seventh grade, I wanted to transfer to Wilmington. It was Wilmington was Junior Barry? High. Oh no, Wilmington Junior High. I so, said, oh, I want to go back What's to that Wilmington. Called, Fleming? It's called Wilmington Junior High. Oh. What was Fleming? That's on Torrance or Harbor City or something okay. like that. Yeah. Anyway, so I went to that, and the kids are going. The kids from Wilmington said, "What are you crazy? You're leaving us?" Because it's a brand new school. I, I, anyway, I went there, and then I realized I'd rather be back at Dotson because it was more uh, varied, I guess, with yeah. the pop, student population. So I had to talk my way back into going back to Dotson on the eighth grade, and when the eighth grade started, so you I did that. Know about that. Yeah, so we were there. It was a trip riding the bus, and one of my earliest memories on the bus is in 1964. I started uh, Dotson, and we rode the bus. And one day I'm on the bus, and all the kids are all excited on the bus. Usually they don't even do, act that way, but they're talking about stuff like Beatles. I keep hearing this Beatles thing, and I go, "What?" Beatles, what? And I, I was sitting next to my friend Tom Crab, and I said, "What's this Beatles everyone's talking about?" He goes, oh, yeah, it's just some band that was on TV the other night. I said, "Why is everyone so excited about a band or something?" He goes, well, they look a little different, you know. What do you mean? Well, they're from England. He kept trying to explain in this, this kind of way, you know. And I said, oh, "I don't understand." He said, "Well, they wear these kind of suits without collars and." Still didn't get it. He goes, they had these funny hairdos. Funny hairdos. I said, what do you mean by that? I don't know. I can't describe. He said, well, kind of like Mo Howard and the Three Stooges. <laughs> I said, what? You know, oh, the mop head. Yeah, but I thought that's the only way you could describe it. Mo from the Three Stooges. Said, yeah, it's kind of like that. So I was thinking, like guys, like Mo, guys in a band look like Mo from the Three Stooges. Why is everyone so excited? But that was an interesting bus ride because everyone was just. Very like Ed Sullivan the, or something? On Ed Sullivan, right. The first Beatles thing on Ed Sullivan. But I remember the bus being all excited. Most times the kids didn't talk like that. But the, that particular ride, it was... They were foaming. Yeah, right. So it was funny. So you got your pen. And uh, you're, and not, you're not using the desk. You use it to jam books or just using papers? Oh, for what? You mean... To jam the, the sketchbooks. Oh, you know, I got a notebook. We had those notebook pads and would whatever. Would you do it on the bus? I would do it on yeah. the bus, right. Because I'd sit on the bus. That's how it started. I'd sit on the bus and just start messing around with the pen, you know. Yeah. On the way to Dotson and the way back, too. Right. So that's kind of how I got into that. Previous to that, though, I was kind of into molding clay. Little figures out of that kind of clay that never dries. This oil-based kind of clay. Yeah. So I was really into just doing that. and I'd sit in my room on the floor and mold these figures, you know. And my parents thought I was kind of weird because I wouldn't go out to the park and play or something, you know. And they thought, yeah. what's he doing in here, you know. <clears throat> but it was kind of, I think I just like to go into this kind of realm of just in my own uh, world somehow, you know. So just, I'm, it's an escape or something, I don't know. Just going somewhere else with these kind of uh, thoughts, you know, molding figures and the drawings. So that's kind of how it all started. And then I started taking art classes in junior high, you know, kind of becoming slightly interested. So it was actually the device. It wasn't another cat drawn. You just liked this. I, they were pretty intense things. They ain't like a pencil. I, I know what you mm -hmm. mean. 
Had like the cartridges, almost like blood. The ink, the ink would come out, and it, yeah, it, it just takes a while to dry. dry right, it, it just looks so good on the paper. Yeah, and, and and it feels good. Yeah, you, you kind of move it, it on the paper, and I, I just really got into that feeling. And then when it was wet, I'd still smear it a little bit and yeah. do these kind of action figures that are like flying around with the smear behind them, you know, things like that. You know, so your first art classes are at Dotson. Yeah, I started getting interested in art then, I think, or I started thinking about that kind of thing, you know, in school. Yeah. And, uh, well, did, a lot of people, it doesn't help. Did they help? Like, they showed you some techniques? You know, I don't really remember. Just, yeah, I think I must have learned some things taking this, these classes. It just sort of opened my mind to that direction and you know later I, I went of course I went to high school and I was in banning and then I became more involved in it and then I'd meet uh, that's when it got more intense with the kind of uh, meeting kids who are into other art guys other guys yeah you know and there were all this group of guys who were into the underground comics because this was in the 60s so I'd never Mr. seen Crumb, Robert Crumb and all this like Zap comics yeah. and all that stuff and I'd never seen that and some one kid would bring his a couple of comics. Do you remember Zap comics? Do you remember the oh, first yeah. ones? Yeah, I remember. I, that. I got something to tell yeah. you about uh -huh. that. Let's listen to some music. All right. Stash money, tight jeans, and showing off something nice. Cash wallet, and dish swallowed. This to me is pretty boy swag. Save, spend fifty cents for mache. Those Smith bros, uh, um, <clears throat> suck dick, what? Uh, fuck you, bros. Suck on this. <laughs> Drop. Scraggly ass hair. All over it. Ugh. Vomit. From the shade. Market fell. <laughs> Johnny Weismuller, I yell in despair. <laughs> A roadside that does not have chickens crossing between the signs is pointless and ridiculous. Feast on lips. Your girlfriend after sucking my dick. Shave. Made a mistake, thought I was down with a truce treat, but a barbasol slob ain't worth calling for. I put the K in the BS, make B Sols behave. Firmer motherfucking shave. Make me want to misbehave. So mature and innocent. What tour imminent? North Korean K-pop workers must be in cred. The motherfucker wants, wants to defect. Burma shit. 
grows the beard. I'll cut my wrist in despair. The blade? Burn a shave, my dear. I just don't like that. Chris, suck dick, Johnny Bellhop Morris. Never shave. Resurrects, you won't know him. He looks so fine, you'll probably blow him. Burmer says. What is real and what is cotton candy? Keep your razor hand handy. Burma
still, who knows that this has nothing to do with intelligence. The original animals and people and plants and soils and dudes and wind screams have been and are being scraped clean.
Black from Pedro show. Uh, something brand new from a band me and Raymond just started called Sock Type. It's called Burma Shave. It's a double seven inch four song thing out of Cologne, Germany. Then uh, another thing I'm involved with called Detective Instinct. Home is a place you leave. It's where uh, I was given words and I was given music and they just asked for my spiel. <laughs> Spieler. Spieler. And uh, after that, beginning to see the light from the Velvet Underground, live from Boston Tea Party. Um, this is the Notorious Guitar Amp tape because supposedly the machine they recorded this with, they just put it on top of Lou's amp. So it's about 99% Lou's guitar. <laughs> I've had some recordings like that. And then um, All Songs Have an Ending by Allegheny Whitefish, Tobacco, Tom from Pittsburgh, O'Farrell by Dirty Beaches, which is trippy because we got an O'Farrell Street here. In fact, fucking Richard Bonney lived on it. Is that the one with the big hill? Yeah, he's O'Farrell. Oh, I just gave Alex a tour. I think he's driving to Frankfurt right now. Be safe, Alex. Wharton Tears with Big Dog. You know Wharton Tears? I don't think I do. One time, uh, he's got a studio in New York. He did a lot of Sonic Youth. I got to record with Bob Quine with him. Oh, really? Boy, doy guy. Uh-huh. Everybody said, watch out, man. Bob Quine is mean. Was he nice he or mean? nice. Okay. <laughs> so watch out when people yeah, right. tell you to watch out. I know, you don't out. really know. What, yeah. <laughs> watch out when people tell you to watch out. I want to remember then that we heard one. with uh, Chronicles of Thought Rearranged at Tholomon's Italian Fratellis. They're great. Uh, Mel Banana's got a new album, and we heard Vertigo Game. And finally, I Need a Man by Caddy Ness and the Revenge. Now, the story about this band is uh, Miss Pete played one gig. She played bass for one gig. Who's that? With who now? This photographer lady who uh. Muay Thai and all this. Oh, all right. She lives in Strasbourg, France now. Baby number two's coming. But she played bass for one gig in this cattiness in the Revenge. I played a gig with a guy who took her place. Talk about the small world. Wow. So, okay. <clears throat> uh, I told the, when we were listening to music people, I told Joe Bice about uh, Zap Comics, uh, Charlie Plymel being uh, the guy who first published those, and a good friend of mine. And What a trippy small world. So you were inspired by these underground. Yeah. Furry Freak Brothers, Mr. Natural. Yeah, in high school, yeah. We well, used to read these. <clears throat> D-Boom never drew them, but we would read them. Yeah, well, a certain I met certain kids in art class, and a couple of them would have their rapidographs with them. Yeah, you know, and sticking out of their pocket, just yeah. like Robert Crumb. Those old rapidographs, the black ones, you sure, know, sure, cool looking Those ones. Are kind, yeah, and then I became part of that group of people. We started drawing in class. And, what about Mad? Well, Mad was something I didn't really try to duplicate. It was a kind of a thing that I might have read when I was younger. Yeah. It wasn't till the, the words. Less. Yeah, I just sort of, I like the artwork. Well, if you want to go way back, there were other weird kind of publications that had comics in there. And then when I, at least you would first, before Underground Comics, you'd see these things. There was a bookstore in Wilmington that was sort of one of these late night kind of bookstore places. And they had, I don't remember, it was on Anaheim near Avalon Boulevard. Wow, middle of town. Yeah, right there. And it was kind of a place, it was kind of seedy, and they had books, and they'd have a, these little weird magazines that had these, uh, I can't remember the names of the artists then, but 
that's when I started noticing strange drawings and magazines and and they had like sex books there, like Sex to Sixty or something. Oh yeah, yeah. See those yeah. kind of things. And, wow, what's this? You know. So that's when I was really younger. But in high school, we were into the. I got into the underground comics right, out of San because, Francisco. yeah, because of the kids and some of the kids in class, and we would use these were pitographs, and I learned how to use that, and we would draw, and you know, all the time. And I wanted to be an underground cartoonist at that point. I thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out of high school. I'm going to be an underground cartoonist. Wow. So I would just draw and draw all the time. Never you know. thinking of paint drawing. No, just drawing with a technical pen. You know, the pitograph. Yeah, sure, I remember those. Yeah, so that's all I did. I the cats who had those like, really together. Yeah, you know, and... and it wasn't just something you stick in the sharpener, man. This is like this engineered precision. Right, and you had to know how to clean them and stuff. Because yeah. they clog up all the time. And I learned how to clean them and... You know, certain they came in different sizes. There were wide ones and narrow ones. Right. And so that was my thing for a while. And then uh, at some point, a friend of mine, his uh, Clem, my friend Clem, his cousin Victor had a this Chicano rock band called Tantar. So Clem became the the sound man or the roadie, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you might have seen me. We talked about that. Yeah, that when they played right. On the stairs of the right, so I was thing. sort of like I became like I the didn't second. Know her name was Tantar. Tantar, okay. we must be. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. From Wilmington, they, they were, were like, pretty bad. They could play. They can rock it out. They were yeah. good. And their house, or the bass player had a house in East 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 Wilmington, and that was a hangout. You know, that was a cool hangout for Wilmos. You know, girls would hop stop by, and you know, cool guys. You know, it was kind of a good spot to hang out. And I'd be like the second string roadie guy or something. But I was always drawing then, so I'd just sit there and draw, you know, and people would look at me, what are you doing, you know? So that was kind of my trip, drawing and drawing. And this stuff went into books? Uh, no, I would just draw Papers. in different things, paper bags and scrap paper and you know, nothing really. I never really drew in any kind of, kind of official, uh, you know, drawing pads or anything like that. So that's kind of an early development for me, getting into that. And I started, I was taking classes at Harvard College, art classes, thinking about transferring to an art school. <clears throat> and what about I, this kind of school? You were learning stuff from these cats. Yeah, then I started learning stuff then. Uh, well, what happened, I was sort of isolated a bit during that period. I was associating with like three or four people. It was kind of a weird period for me. And then I said, okay, I'm going to start taking classes at Harbor, art classes. And I took a painting class, oil painting. And uh, just to kind of break out of this sort of isolation I was in. And it yeah. was sort of strange for me because I was in a big class and you're doing these paintings and getting critiqued. And, you know, in front of everybody. Yeah, in front of everybody. I had to kind of come out, you know, in a way. Like, wow, you know. So <laughs> it was a trip, yeah. And then, I, you know, I started seeing other people and being in the school there and you know I took some more painting classes and other classes art classes I decided I was going to study art there and transfer and at one point I remember being in a painting class and there was a lot of noise in the hallway or something some people were doing something in the hallway and the teacher's kind of laughing and shut the door and at some point they opened the door and then 
some guy had driven his car through the hallway of the art building. They were from the class across the hall. They were doing a, it was a sculpture class, but this guy, John Sturgeons, was teaching video art. So they, somehow Harvard got a hold of all these video cameras. So they were teaching video art, and they were, people had their different projects. And this guy, uh, Joey, he's from Wilmington, he drove his car down the hallway and did something and drove it out because he had a tiny little car, you know. He literally drove it into the building and drove it out of the building and videotaped it. <laughs> so I thought, whoa, you know, I want to get into this. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what is going on here? This is art, you know? Whoa, what is this? This is like the 70s, early 70s. Yeah. So the next semester, I took one of those classes with Sturgeon's and I started getting into that kind of thinking, you know, the conceptual art and the video art kind of idea. So I started thinking more along those lines, and I stopped doing paintings, and I wanted to do more like conceptual art, thinking, yeah, this is what I want to do. And uh, I'd finished my studying at, at Harvard, ready to transfer. And at that point, I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna, I met Jack Brewer then. That's around when I met Jack Brewer, and I got involved in music with him, you know, through him. And I kind of seen my first uh, development in music as an art experiment. You know, I said I'm going to try to play guitar from a different perspective. So that's kind of how it started with me. That's how I got involved in music at that point. And, it's you like know, part of the conceptual. <laughs> yeah, part of the whole idea of moving on from the yeah, it's part of the conceptual thing from the idea of wanting to do art but using music as a idea or something like that. Right, you know? right. And I thought it would just be a short experiment you know, a few months or something. But I got more and more involved. Things started happening. We struggled for about a year to get a band together. And then you got us our first gig. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, things developed along the way. And SST got interested in us. And, you know, one I, I always would say, you know, well, next month if nothing happens, I'm just going to quit. But something would always happen and keep me going, you know. I go, oh, wow. Well, what about on the side? Was there drawing on the side? A little bit, you know. I draw a little bit still, you know. A lot of these drawings in the in the in uh, some of the earlier ones in here from that time. Hold it. We're mm -hmm. at the end of the first right. hour, 2013, November 16, Dishwaff Pedro Show with Joe Baez. A hold tight for hour two. I gotta, I gotta start working on that. 2013, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
everybody thank you very much so yeah this is the first time in a very long time we played at a house party we used to do this quite regularly uh, which means we did it twice there were two things I wanted from this life to be the Morrissey of America and for you to be my wife now I'm driving for the border my tapes and my LPs And yes, they did come from the woodworks Asking your name at first And then with full knowledge They know your telephone numbers And your GPA in college And you still manage to laugh When you see me coming So I keep strumming that's what God gave me and Nobody's gonna save me And nobody's gonna love you like I do Like I do I still got a bicycle I never got the dog like you wanted Could this really be a confession? Or do not flatter yourself, my Darling, do not flatter yourself, my darling. Do not flatter yourself, my darling. You might have been my Tanya Donnelly. You should have thrown this lonesome muse overboard. She said, that's what I thought I did. That's exactly as I remember it I swear we were having a party I put the potion in your drink I read the directions perfectly I watched your eyes go dark What happened, baby? What happened, baby? You're still breathing You're making eyes at me
Why, for Pedro Show, started hour two off with some uh, unknown instructors. The third album, uh, Praj, uh, Joe Baiza, Dan McGuire, George Hurley, myself. I think on this, we had David Thomas. Is he on that one? And uh, Well, on, on this album. On the album. This tune, I think it's only me, you, and uh, Georgie, <clears throat> actually. Oh, hey, I got to say something. My favorite yeah. thing with David Thomas, he goes... Uh, we're in the studio. He's living in England, doesn't he? Right. So he goes, uh, yeah, it's kind of warm. And he's hanging out in the studio. He goes, I'm going to go put on my swimming trucks. <laughs> yeah, he goes back in the swimming yeah. trucks, sitting there. Room. And he was sweating, too. Yeah. <laughs> Georgie had his waiting line. Oh, we had to wait a long time. Man. My dad was cool. Many hours. And then, you know, it was a trip. Georgie sets up the drums. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering to myself, I wonder when was when, when was the last time Georgie played? Was it a long time ago? And I start seeing these, I don't know, I thought I was having uh, flashbacks and stuff, like I was seeing trails. And no, it turned out it was dust coming off his cell. So it was like, whoa. Because you know, remember he just started playing everything he knew. He was going through his whole little arsenal of... Licks and stuff. Yeah, kind of warming like, up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and all this dust cloud about him, like it was... You know, Pillsbury Doughboy, Flower Man. And I was like, whoa, it's been a little while since George and I played. <laughs> uh, after that, we heard uh, Father's Day by Sterile Jets, Graffiti Finger by Roosterhead, and finally, Song for Evan Dando to Sing by Rod Bryant. Uh, so you're doing the music, a little drawn on the side. What happened to the idea you had earlier? I'm going to be an underground cartoonist, right? Because you also thought <clears throat> music was only going to be a phase, right? Yeah, well, that kind of faded with the idea of going, taking art classes and painting, doing that, <clears throat> and then going from that to thinking I want to be a conceptual artist in the early '70s. So the underground cartoonist idea sort of faded into the background in a way. But I still like those comics. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I started going, oh, I started started thinking further along the way, you know. I mean, when I wanted to be a conceptual artist, I thought painting might have been kind of corny, you know, old-fashioned, you know. Yeah. Oh, painting, no one's doing that. I'm going to, I got some other things I want to try to do. So being a cartoonist became something way in the distant past or something, you know. But then when, I mean, I would do flyers and stuff, so they would come back every once in a while, yeah. you know, for the band, you know, like, oh, let's do a flyer for this or that. So then I, I would kind of break it out, break out the pen and do it then, you know, like the October Faction covers and other flyers and the Buzzer Howl cover. Yeah, Minuteman. Minuteman, Buzzer Howl. Howl. Minute Flack. Minute the Flack. back of uh, What Makes a Man Start Fires. What's on that? I don't remember. I think you got uh, Charlie Parker. John Coltrane. Oh, okay. And maybe Miles. There's three cats. You oh, they sort of stand. I think I vaguely Way remember. back then. Yeah, I think I remember that. <clears throat> and uh, there's a... D. Boone drew a picture, and it's got a caption that says, like, uh, some cat eating his chow, and it says, eat your lunch at noon break. <laughs> understand, or something like that. Oh, they right, yeah. that by the bottom <laughs> of the <laughs> oh, yeah, that weird job back then, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, yeah. 
<laughs> I guess he was chowing at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, he liked to chow. <laughs> and your, yours had these three cats, and, and one of them, I think, is holding his horn case. Oh, yeah. I think at that time I was getting, I just discovered bebop and jazz. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I got into drawing all those guys. You know, I'd see photos of them, and I'd start practicing my drawing by drawing, you know, from the photographs of those jazz musicians. Yeah. So I was really into that. So that was one of my interests, musically and just for drawing, you know, subject, you know, the, the jazz I think, thing. I think there was a Gary Jacobly drawn on there, too, but his technique was like little dots. Oh, right, yeah. It's One-Eyed Soldier, I think. That's right. Gary would do these tiny little paintings, I remember. And I said, why are you drawing paintings so small? Why don't you paint larger? He goes, no, this is good for me. I don't have much space. And he had this one, yeah, there were little paintings. He goes, Salvador Dali painted small, you know. You know, and he had this one painting. It must have been like 12 by 10 or something. I really liked this painting. He said, that's a cool painting. And then one day he surprised me. He said, hey, I got a gift for you. And he gave me a, an enlarged version of that painting. He painted a large yeah. painting. I still have that. It was really wow. big. And it was a larger version of the small one, so... You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, yeah. <laughs> and it's five like, looks like guys, young guys, and one of them has a circle around him. Oh yeah, I know what you're. Right, about. it's almost seems like Gary's the guy with the circle. I remember the little. Some... It was in the pad. Right, yeah. You know, people out there, Joe Biden lived with Gary Chikobli underneath Deep Boone here. Yeah, under Deep Boone's on, apartment. Uh, Pacific, not too far from here, between right, right, near the twentieth and an alley. Yeah, and this is where we started. The Minutemen was upstairs. And, That's uh, right. He he was yeah. He's a visual artist also. But as as you move through music, like the artist people, yeah, people don't know this that the early seventies. Well, Gary was a guy I met at Harvard College yeah, in the okay, art classes. Right, right. right? Well, I was, was going to say to the listeners out there. Yeah. Not early 70s, but 70s punk had a lot of artist people. Mm-hmm. It was much different than the 80s with the teenager people. With the hardcore stuff. Yeah, with yeah. the hardcore. It was, I, I would say, predominantly artist people. And even somebody like Dee Boone, who's, you know, who mm-hmm. was a painter. There was a lot of cats like that in the scene. And then I, I think people like the weird old guys actually went to Cal Arts. I mean, you had actually... Mm-hmm. People in art school, and then yeah, like you and Gary. A lot of the Hollywood. Uh, a lot really of those punk cats, didn't you notice, scene, hanging yeah. around? So right. there was a, a music component, but also the way they did gigs. They weren't so pro rock and roll. They were almost anti, and was like performance. Right. They that's really performance that's what made it different, you know, trying that's to break away I'm, from the. Actually, it appealed <clears throat> to me versus the arena rock crap. But you guys, you guys, you and Dennis were already familiar with the rock. The rock thing. So, so you guys are ahead of the, the game bit. for me because I came into the music scene and you know I was just as fresh to me. I didn't know yeah. what was going on. You guys yeah. had already been doing well, we stuff. We knew how to copy and, off records. We didn't really uh, know how to use. We thought we were way behind in the idea of using music for expression. Our thing mm. was more like building models. Oh, I see. Make the songs. Whereas, but yeah, those guys they didn't care about like any form copying. They were, I mean, you know, like I, I, Raymond taught me about the scene in Europe during the First World War. It was called Dada. Oh, it Dada. Like yeah. this kind of, like, actually, 
we were like doing an echo of that in a way, but for these those times, 70s, instead of the teens in Europe. But it was kind of like, uh, it was kind of <clears throat> reacting. Well, that, you know, that's what's special about the Pedro scene to me, because um, it came a little after the, originally it was a Hollywood punk scene, but sure. the Pedro scene, it seemed like everyone really wanted to do something different. So no one was copying each other, you know? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to sound like this guy and the other guy from the hardcore scene or from Orange County or whatever. You know, you hear people say, we're a mix of this band and a little bit of the other band. You know, you always, when they try to describe their band, but the Pedro bands, they just came out from left field, you know, just like Gino and Clarinette. And, you know, just like, whoa, that's your and band. And huh? no art no. beginnings, <laughs> right. you know, because Pedro's a work in town. I mean, yeah. D. Boone painted, but yeah, George Hurley, Greg Hurley, uh, Gino, Martin, mm-hmm. and guys that were just fired up by the scene to get right. Creative, right? They just want to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no nurture. It was that scene that just mm-hmm. fired people up. Yeah, it was yeah, a trip. You know, with the clarinet. Yeah, it was, it was so wild. <laughs> it was like <laughs> not having nothing to do with rock and roll. Oh no, you know, it was uh, a trip. It's hard to tell people that, you know, because they had to be there to know it. But a uh, kind of uh, contagious. Situation. Yeah, then someone else would pop up with their group, you know. <laughs> well, I'll do something even more, you know, even Well, the, the, the group that else. Gary Jacoby put together, Gary's group, group yeah. With Gary Lena, group. and Gino ended yeah. up my curly, Georgie's brother. Right. And Jimmy Otter later on. Later on, yeah. Trippie's collection. Right. Cats. Here, let's listen to more music. Okay.
Se eu desço, quer que eu suba Se eu subo, me quer no chão Se eu me levanto, me derruba Se eu derrubo, sou o vilão Mas não esquento mais a juba Perco a respiração Pois o amor Em flauta ou tuba Sopra a vida ao coração Sopra a vida ao coração Só pra vida o 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 coração Só penso em ir 
Watch for Pedro show. Uh, I just got back from Brazil. I did two gigs with the Missing Man in Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, and people gave us music there. So we heard a bunch of music from some uh, Sao Paulo and uh, Rio bands. First one was uh, Verms de Limbo, Do Limbo, sorry, with D Boom. And then All In from the uh, Name That Band, Name the Band, sorry. Uh, Black Snake Rock by The Orange Disaster, Fantastic Business by Tokyo Savannah, Kamikaze Kid by Os Ustadentes. We got to play with them in uh, Rio. They were a trip. <laughs> also, Veras de Limbo got to play with in Sao Paulo. Interesting stuff. And uh, Mandinga from uh, Balba Stereo Club, Abra Canino by Balbo Stereo Club and M. Takara, and finally Karnica by Nevelton Sakori. Yeah, it was a trip. I mean, we yeah, were only there a short yeah, time. And, uh, wow. But they got a scene that's coming on. Really? It's interesting yeah. to see how, you know, somebody once told me the only thing new is you finding out about it. That's right. It's a, it's a okay well, they, thing. They've always had a strong music scene, you know, so you would think you imagine, still, you know. the bass and the drums yeah. and the percussion. And uh, a real big uh, hard rock thing, you know, Sepultura. Really? Oh. Yeah, which is like, come, 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 you know, Cookie Monster voice. Was, oh, yeah. Was in it fact, Pat? one of these bands that played with us was Def Coffins. Yeah. Brujaria goes over there. Pat Howard plays right. with them. They go over there and, and you play know, the large audiences. And really big in Brazil. Really? Wow. So, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, their own home brew, and they're coming up with their own sounds. It's, it's neat to get a chance to check that out. That's a great uh, for opportunity. For us, you know, punk was really important. It still is, I mean, but for 30 years ago, it got us going. 35 years ago, and there's still a new, seems there's a new just uh, keeps shift going. that, yeah, takes <laughs> I kind of see punk like blues, the blues scene. Yeah, right. It gets handed to a next generation, you know, they just do right, something right. else with it or something. And I think it's neat, especially when they add to it. Yeah, I think there's something about, things. you know, Play it, paying homage to the, the old forms, you know, but that's almost like wearing an Elvis suit or something. But then there's these people that use it for a springboard to get their own thing going. And yeah. It's actually kind of what I ideas, idealistically always thought of punk, where it was more of a state of mind than a style of music. That's right, yeah. Uh, so so what, do, what do you think about this thing, about all the artists involved with the early punk? I, I remember there even was a dilemma with some parts of the scene, which which music was too art, right? Art. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Of course, right. I was attracted to that at that time. <clears throat> I mean, I kind of liked it then. It was yeah, yeah. All those art, weird art bands. Well, I liked the Screamers. That was yeah. one of my favorite groups at that period. Nervous Gender. Nervous Gender. Later on, the Nervous yeah. Gender came along. I mean, I really loved the Screamers in there. That was, you know, I really liked those guys. Yeah, Nervous Gender. It was, I can't remember all the names of those bands. Zab. Oh, Zab was a trip. With all the uh, metal, metal shaking. Stuff the, and oh, no my guitars, God. no drums. You he know. just had percussive metal pieces, and he <laughs> he'd like wave these sheets of metal, and right, like you're just a foot away from it. Like if his hand yeah, slipped, right. it would probably cut your head open or something. Joanna Wendt. Yeah, oh yeah, her performances. Right, she had some Those guys making some like ambient sounds, right? Yeah, there'd be somebody with be a keyboard. Some visual, 
trippy ass. It'd be a prepared thing. She'd have yeah. all these uh, props and things on the stage and pull something out of a something and find something and then pull something out of that. And it just sort of evolved. <laughs> and what's this? It was just like this. But it was surprise, yeah. Yeah, wow. You just look at it. It was cool. I've seen her a few times at the Hong Kong Cafe. Right, about yeah. that New Year's show, yeah. The Germs. Right, yeah. And write about that song. What about, uh, we, and Weba, she got into kind of a trip like that, not as much with the props. Uh-huh. But yeah, I didn't know her so well then, in the, that time. Performance. Right, the performance. Yeah, in fact, Weba's still going, right? Yeah, her and Ralph have the... What's it called? It's Garretson and Gordetsky. Okay, yeah, their last that, names. What was the Putana... Putanesca. Putanesca, not that, <laughs> That's a band, that's a band we had. You were part of that. Right? I was part of that with Ralph and Weba and Wayne Griffin. So it was sort of a, I don't know how you describe it, sort of this kind of kinetic trio with a kind of a Weba and her technique or style of singing, which yeah. is more smooth. So kind of matching those two things together, you know. So that you know that was cool for a while. Suburban Lawns was kind of an art band, right? Oh, right. Right. That and that reminds me. That's when Fibonacci's. I first seen you guys at the Suburban Lawns right. studio, You're right? But I want now. Let me ask you a question because yeah. <clears throat> first seen you guys and I, I go, these guys are you know I was at Harvard College and I seen a flyer. It says punk something like punk invades Long Beach. I thought what? I never seen a punk band around here play a punk show. Yeah. So it was at the Suburban Lawn Studio. I went to that, and Reactionaries were playing. And it says, from San Pedro, Reactionaries. I thought, wow, a punk band from San Pedro. That was a trip to me, too. And then you guys started to play. go, cool. And then, boom, it was done. I was like, wow, that was short. I think it might have been three songs or something. <laughs> and then I go, and it was a lot of people, so I couldn't tell what was yeah, going on. Yeah, it was Plugs and Alley Cats. There was yeah. Like, Bring the Axe. Yeah, so I went to... Guys? Yeah, I remember that. I remember he's going to Deep Boo, and I, you know, he looked kind of nice. I'll talk to him. I said, that was pretty short. He goes, oh, yeah, our bass player passed out yeah. <laughs> and broke his bass or something. That's what happened. What? There's no air. And I you just sort of fell back. Fell back in the bass neck, bro. Snapped the head, oh. off. I woke right back up only <laughs> I was falling, right? Because the fall, like, woke me up. Oh, okay. But it was from heat. So, no, yeah, it was, was hot so in there. there it was, was hot. Wearing some coat. Like, and you guys are I really playing hard. Wearing a sweater with the collar. Yeah, on. yeah. You know, a sweater that don't have arms. Oh, like a vest or something. But or? no buttons. Oh, but, yeah. Who, it's the trippiest. You know how we were. Yeah, right. <laughs> and anyway, I was wearing some a big trench coat. It had so much heat that only lasted three songs. Breathe, when I was yeah. out. <laughs> Actually, that's the last one. After that, me and people. That was well, Boom leaves. <coughs> Reactionary stops there because he brought even another guitarist in. Boom wouldn't write any songs for Reactionaries. He was waiting for the real band. Uh-huh. <laughs> he oh, he didn't write Reactionary songs. No, he oh, didn't I didn't know. Reactionaries a real band. We were just doing this in the meantime. Oh, we what happened was when we went up and saw the bags, and I said we can do this. But then he said, "Man, I don't know about making a band." So I answered a recycler ad and jammed with these guys on Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh-huh. Guy ended up playing drums for the F word, but we did like I want to be your dog for three hours. I told him, he boo, he boo. He said, okay, I'll make a band. But it was like a little holding pattern. He was waiting for the real band. And that was the, it ended up being the Minuteman. Okay. Yeah. Kind of strange. So that it's funny up, how that he works. He was teasing in this other guitar so he could leave. He didn't want to be in that band anymore. 
which is uh, uh-huh. basically the same guys, just with the Martin saying. Yeah. But I don't know. I think he, well, he told me he always wanted a trio. Oh, okay. He just wanted <clears throat> a trio. I think the Dills had big uh, influence on him. Well, huh. I know he did. All of us, you know. But the, the way they, they had the three guys, he liked that. Right. Yeah, so ended up in that first batch of songs we wrote, Above You, Gary. Yeah, right. They're, down the street here. They didn't sound like the Dills, though. Those are no, 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 I know. Because we were influenced by these uh, records from England. Yeah, a lot of those groups. Wire and a band called the Pop Group. And Pop so, group. And that was our punk. Our punk was going to see shows, but also hearing records from Zed. Remember that store? Right. We go. I go to Zed once in a while. Wow. It was Before punk, they would have a lot of the imports. From, That's right. From England. Koshul's, uh <laughs> Yeah, it was. Stuff. And then all of a sudden, punk came out, and he had the singles there. Yeah, the connects though. See. Yeah. What is this thing? I see a Sex Pistols record. And I looked at. It. Who are these guys? <laughs> yeah. I'll talk, talk about that more. We're at the end of the second hour. All right. Number. 16, 2013, Dish Watch Beaver Show. Joe Bison here. Hold tight for hour three. Stranglers. Like, do you have any, do you have, where's the Stranglers? He goes, we don't have that in this store. Like, for some reason, he was against the Stranglers, and he said, there's no Stranglers in this store. Oh, no. I said, really? Okay, I didn't ask him anymore, because uh, you look kind of like... Uh, well, they were on a big label. You could probably get that liquor's piece. Yeah, I just kind of Everybody, it's uh, November 16, 2013, Third hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
Juan from Pedro Show started off the third hour with something new from Hobo Combo. You know about this cat in New York Ho- City? No, who is that? Hobo Combo. He's called the, the Street Viking of, I don't know, of New York City. Yeah, he knows oh, yeah. intense music. Really? Hobo Combo. Okay. Well, no, no. Uh, his name was Moondog. Their tribute band to Moondog. That all was his right. music name. It was a homeless guy who made all these incredible musics. He ended I didn't up getting to do a couple albums when they found him. And uh, Hobo Cabo's got Andrea Belfi, who plays him. I like Do Sonio, or Our, Do Sonio Del Mar and I have a trio. And uh, yeah, lot, check him out. This, there's a lot you know of interesting the, music the out there. the source of music now, people tell me? It's what? this YouTube.com. Well, there's a lot of stuff on there. Huh? Yeah, you, can, you can so really... check out this guy, Moondog. Yeah, Moondog. I, did. I, I did. will I'll do was, that. Whoa. One That's word. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you go to a party, someone puts YouTube on, they got they select their songs through YouTube. You, know? you believe that? <laughs> That's right. It's like, <laughs> At the party, you know, let's put this on. And then the OCs, have you heard these cats? They live up in the city, San Francisco. I think they're actually no, I don't know the main either. bands from Providence. A tune called Contraption Soul Desert. It is a great band. Got to play with them at the end of... September up in San Jose. Yeah, you get to see all that stuff, yeah. That is Traveling neat. and playing. That is neat. Yeah. Like I said, um, that thing about getting the records from England, but then getting to see the gigs in Hollywood, I think both sides were really important to us. Mm-hmm. You're right. We were influenced by Dills watching them, but we're influenced by Wire and Pop by listening to them. Mm-hmm. Minutemen are a weird mixture. And then the other weird thing is when we really started playing gigs and especially touring, that whole scene burned out. And right. there's only these young hardcore kids that you're playing for. So, of course, people Though say, oh, you sound so weird. But they don't understand the situation. Yeah, they're we coming came, from Isn't it weird how place. the old 70s punk is hardly talked about? You know? It's more identified hardcore. with the youth kind of thing. Yeah, and fast guitar. And they take... That little period of the glitter and glamour, uh, glam art people—they just pretend it didn't even happen. Yeah, maybe because the, uh, the hardcore is more popular. I don't know. Well, it did. I mean, it yeah, it's probably be. it. I think if you're a teenager now, probably it's a guaranteed fact you're going to have a few punk years. Where in those days, right, it was a little small minority on the outside, not really about kids, and then hardcore kids. That's when it opened up to kind of parallel all the hippie. young people. <clears throat> oh, how that grew, you mean? Where it's like social. They're really angry with their parents. I mean, a lot of those cats in the Hollywood scene, they, you know, parents, people too old. They're already older, yeah. <laughs> 20s, late 20s, early 30s. I mean, that's how old I was around that. that yeah, time. right. You know, I got write songs, but. Uh, yeah, I hate my parents. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's about Orange County, right? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. But it was a trip for me hanging out with him because I was older sure. than those guys. And like, oh, what are they up to now? You know, like I met Mugger, I remember, and he had to spend the night at our place underneath, you know, yeah. with Gary and him and another friend. They're all crazy and looking for girls and, you know, wild guys. Like, what yeah, the heck? Full of fire. Yeah. Well, a lot of them, too, weren't that big of misfits. Maybe socially. But, uh,. I don't know. Oh, when they came for that I asked all the time why we were so different and why the really? SST bands were so different. But if you knew the scene we were being kind of bred from, 
to me, it's totally understandable. Yeah, definitely. And especially those records, too, like The Fall and Red Crayola. I mean, there's some of the very adventurous stuff, Cabaret Voltaire. Well, yeah, I, I, I heard a lot of that music through you guys, so I yeah. never even heard of those Well, groups, we would just, yeah, you know, well, we would just pick them because of the name or what the cover looked like. Like, wow, what's this? We had and, no idea, and it was so econo, $2, why not roll the dice? see what it gets us yeah yeah there's some great stuff out there then well there still is I mean like, all these groups you play with and you know about yeah there's still a lot of good music out there I mean now it's 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 hopeful you know there's a lot of young people doing great stuff I'm just not in touch with it myself but you know when I hear it you know it's amazing to me I have that, a lot of the stuff I play on the shows with cats give mm-hmm. I don't play any merch no mm-hmm. merch there's enough of that. There's enough merch out there. There's enough merch out there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, people are asking you to do album covers. I remember exactly the situation with Buzzer Howe. Uh, we wanted to use this Scientific America picture, uh, cover of uh, tropical tree frogs with mm-hmm. all these exotic colors. Of course, the four color separations were going to cost you know, $1,000. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, forget it. We recorded the record for $50, I remember. One side, Spot did it live to two-track. The other side, we worked with Ethan James. Ethan James said, look, yes, you give me a song at Radio Tokyo for a Radio uh-huh. Tokyo compilation, uh-huh. and I'll record you guys a song. So we put three of our songs together, and we told him it was one. Oh, one. really? <laughs> <laughs> you mean unedited? You just played all three yeah, back to back? together, and he thought it was this big Wow, what a strange song. <laughs> So it ended up being what? Uh, it wasn't that long anyway. It's cut and dream told by Moto. <laughs> and uh, so the record cost 50. I said, hey, we can't have the art cost. We're more than the record cost. <laughs> so you did that thing in one night. Oh, I don't remember now. I guess did I did. In one yeah. night. Because we <clears> had to turn it in. And I had to make the decision. I said, look, if Joe Bison can do it, let's go with the ink man. Uh-huh. We did it. You did it, which is basically me and D Boone hollering at each other and spitting up vacuum cleaners and telephones. <laughs> yeah, ah, these guys, because I've seen that happen so often with you guys. Like, ah, I got the idea for the cover. Yeah, they're going to be yelling at each other and this stuff's going to be flying around everywhere. But yeah. <laughs> and the October Faction, you actually played in that band. Yeah, I did, yeah. Which that ended was our... up being. The jam band we that had. That opened up for Black Flag because yeah. they got tired of dealing with the local politics of openers. Right. So, so Black Flag to bring their own. Bring your own opening band. You know, it was <laughs> October Fashion Later. It was another Tom Tricoli's dog or something. And <clears> gone. Huh? It ended up being gone. Oh, and then gone at some point. Right, which was Greg's. Yeah, Greg's thing. Yeah. And then gone took over in Black Flag. He just stopped Black Flag and decided to do gone. Right. And then Hank took the Garn band. Right. Right. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> those guys. The guys from uh, New Jersey, who are those guys from Trenton? Those two right, guys. right. Sim and Andrew. Yeah, they're cool guys. They're really good musicians. Andrew was just playing with Jella until recently. With who now? Jella. He has oh. his band called the uh, Guantanamo School of Medicine. Or oh, something. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comes out of the doctor's coat. Oh. Man, I miss that stuff. I got to get out there. You got to get out there. Uh, oh, but uh, 
Did you ever seriously think about that? Hey, maybe I can do album covers and album art. You know, not really. No. I, I mean, I, when people would ask me, I would do it. Yeah, you know, when they would ask me, but I never thought of just for projects when people There's some saffron really. covers too. Yeah, I did the, the shine covers. On. Some heads or something. It's the heads here. I got two heads here in the in the exhibition. A couple of those heads are on that cover. Okay. I would kind of organize the covers. Sometimes at first I would draw them. Yeah. And then later I just organized how they were going to look, and I asked someone else to do things for them. Like the Saccharin Trust, the We Became Snakes. Gary drew that. And Jacoby, right? Yeah. That's and then, interesting. It has all those little trippy. Yeah, that was a cool cover. Kind of jungle feel. Uh huh. Who did the World Broken? I think Joe Carducci. Joe Carducci did that. And that was his little sketch. He'd always right, like, he did do, some, like his little doodle. Right, and it kind of matched the the uh, recording too. It was a good <laughs> good visual for the only for the time sound. I ever played in a tuxedo. You guys had me wear a tuxedo. Oh right, that was Jack's idea. The tuxedos. That <laughs> 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 yeah, was funny. The tuxedos. Hey, let's hear some more music. Born again with a brain again. Born again with a brain again. 
Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's just stubborn sometimes. But yeah, yeah, well, I remember one time he sold all his furniture. He went out? Sold all his furniture. Oh, really? Because he's moving? Or? Yeah, oh. bad time. Uh, a lot from Pedro's show, last music for the show. Uh, from Mobile, Alabama, Roman Gabriel Todd's The Beast Rising Up Out of the Sea with Born Again Without a Brain Again. Then Ott from uh, Austin, Texas with uh, Thwap. Apostasy uh, from Swenson Klein. I think they're uh, Montreal. No, something kept uh, Quebec. Maybe Montreal. Sorry, something something Canadian. Uh, Pleasure Cruise from uh, Hot Cha Cha. That's out of Cleveland. And finally, Cop Sweep from Fruit, which is a Long Beach Pedro band. Um, <clears throat> tell me something about this art show. Well, okay, it's stuff that stuff from the past and. Stuff that I've been doing not too long ago, and even newer stuff. You know, I, I've gotten more. Uh, well, how did it come about? How did it come about? Oh, Lori is Lori's idea. Lori Stewart. Yeah, so she offered me an exhibition here, and at first I thought, well, okay, I guess I can draw some new things. You know, trying to do that, and I did some of that, but I didn't realize I had so much old drawings laying around, you know, so right. I started looking around for some of the old stuff, and it just started coming out of drawers and places, you know, so I thought, wow, what's all this, there's this thing and the other thing, I had a lot of old drawings, and Lori came by, where I live at, the, I call it the shack, over Koreatown, there, right? in Koreatown, near MacArthur Park, I've been living there for over 20 years, yeah. it's kind of like my studio now, but I got this bad habit of collecting and saving things, so she came over, and she kind Shit of... Hard. Yeah, exactly. She came when she tripped out. She goes, what the heck's going on? And she's looking at everything. So she decided to incorporate that into the exhibition, which made sense, because that's kind of a what stimulates me in a way. And I have a, I wrote something about it. You're talking about the actual pad. The actual pad, yeah. And it, it's just saving things. And so these big-ass pictures. The big picture on yeah. the wall is sort of a, a photograph of how it looks inside my place. And my mind is like that. It gets cluttered with things. I'm saving things. I just, I don't know what's wrong with me, but my pockets will be full of stuff. My car, you know, it just things, I see things. And I take a lot of photographs. So that's sort of collecting too, you know, because I have a job where I, 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 I'm an art handler and we drive around the city all day long. So that's my favorite thing. I just drive around to take photographs and I, you know, you drive around everywhere to see stuff, camera thing. you know. Mm -hmm. I forgot to ask you about that because in the old days I always saw you with the camera. Film. We're talking oh, film days. Uh -huh. A lot of times I saw you with the camera. Yeah, back when that? I was a tour with you. I just, uh, I wanted to do it back then, capture a, No, but did you have a class? Or yeah, I took, okay. I studied photography in, at Harbor, you know. So along with the drawing, <clears throat> you also did... Yeah, exactly, taking these classes. I have a lot of old black and white photographs. You know, we we do that, develop our own film and... Make our prints. Well, so who took the picture of Pagnicons? I did that, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was originally for uh, Cracks in the Sidewalk. That's right. You know, Because so there's a sidewalk, there's Jack's yeah, Jack. Yeah, right. But you used something else, but then I thought... No, what, what happened was Chuck and Greg said, you got to use... Well, Greg said, my brothers. Oh, right. Some Raymond stuff. Yeah, remember? So that, yeah, they also that was asked a cool him cover. to do the drawing for uh, Minuteman, <laughs> Paranoid. That's funny thing about Raymond. I switched gears a little bit because yeah, he would draw with a brush, and I was drawing yeah. with a technical pen. Right. And I thought, wow, this is kind of weird—a guy drawing with a brush. I never thought of that. 
And he was really nice to me and told me how he went about doing his things. This is in the early times when SST was in Torrance, in that Torrance place. And, yeah. The uh, old Torrance. Yeah, the old Torrance oh. place. But I thought, why would someone draw with a brush? It wasn't until later that I started using a brush, and I realized that's what I really wanted to do, more than using a technical pen. So if you see the October Faction covers, right, they're all right. done with this technical pen, but... I don't think I would do that anymore, you know. Right, I right. like the idea. That was a Raymond influence, huh? Yeah, kind yeah. of in a way. I well, thought, that's how we got, you know, I, I met just, Raymond at the gigs, uh-huh. but as far as his artwork coming on board, that was totally uh, foist. <laughs> like Greg. <laughs> yeah, right. Get, you know, my brother's look, look, I'm very, very grateful Yeah, it's cool, for yeah. But uh, his sensibility, on the other side of it, it was like, don't want to make Raymond an illustrator, right? So... But I kind of asked him, yeah. well, cracks in the sidewalk. But, so that's why that happened. You're right. I, I, now it comes back to so, me, that photograph. Yeah, so, so that became the Saccharine Trust, the Pagan Icons cover. So you must have lots of film, negatives? <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of old uh, black and white photographs. and I took some stuff at Jimmy Max studio, but unfortunately I never developed that film, so it's sitting in a box. I don't know how long film lasts. <laughs> over, I don't know, it's been... Maybe you can't develop that film. I don't know how that works. You know? It's never been taken out of the cartridge. You know, it's in it in those rolls. But these things you drew and painted, that's and flyers and stuff. That is here at the show, right? And so that, it's kind of a retrospective. In a way, yes, it is. You know, and later I started drawing with a brush, and you know, traveling was a good time to draw. I'd go out. We, Anamik, my wife, and I would go out and travel, and I. Then I got into drawing when I'm in, you know, in a hotel in Mexico City, wherever we go, you know. Yeah. Got a lot of downtime. I'll do some drawing, you know. So I got back into the drawing idea. And she's an artist, so they kind of got me going back in that direction again. And then Lori offered this show, so I just started drawing even more, you know. So I'm kind of headed that direction now. I just want to do more of that, you know. So it's kind of what I'm focusing on right now, besides okay. music, you know. Right, right. But this show has a lot of that. It has newer stuff, has old stuff. Speaking and, of music you know, and drawing, you've had the problem with your hands, right? Mm-hmm. Does it hurt either one? Well, of course. well, not for drawing, but for guitar playing, playing. it does. You know, it's, uh, I got carpal tunnel syndrome from my work, you know, because I used to make these packages for art, you know, paintings and right. all this kind of thing. So just that repetitive movement messed my hands up. You know, so it don't hurt with the drawing. Not with the drawing. With the guitar playing. With the guitar playing. Yeah. So it's hard to crack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can play single notes, but things like chords. And yeah. Especially the power chords and all that. I can't do that for too long. My hands start to go numb and certain things, you know, or even just regular playing. I have to stop and give a break. Give it a break. I can't place as oh, much as going. I used to yeah because the hands got all messed up I had surgery but you know it, it helped a bit but not you know, all the way not all the way no so it's kind of like that and this goes the show here at Cornelius Projects goes till December 21st yeah right and it's uh, 14 17 17 I was to say on the 21st there's going to be an amazing music performance the Brain Children of Xenog that's Vince Marooney. That's closing. Yeah, it's a closing. Vince Marooney and Dan Klukas and Michael Elvidris and uh, Brian Christofferson. They got this quartet. Yeah. 
it's sort of a free improvised thing and it kind of reminds me of a cross I mean just everything if you're familiar with that free jazz kind of music they're, they're really excellent so 1417 South Pacific Avenue San mm-hmm. Pedro California Sunday December 21st you're and also playing here tomorrow tomorrow we have something All right which is uh, I don't know when you're going to broadcast this yeah but um, who are you playing with Ralph uh, we have a, a little thing called Hair's Breath Ensemble it's all acoustic okay all acoustic and then Ralph and Weber are going to play too right. okay so you know if a young person asked you for advice about drawing what would you tell them about a drawing yeah about drawing you know as oh. endeavor like an advice rock. That's funny you mentioned that because there's a young guy I work with and we were talking about it. And he's, he showed me some of his drawings and I guess uh, individuality, I guess, is the, the main thing, you know. Pursue and, that. Yeah, that and there's this freedom of the expression too. I like that when people create art that way, you know. But that's just my style, so, you know. That's advice you give. Yeah, it's kind of hard. because too it's, much same old. Right, yeah. Bring something. Bring something new. It's just like in music. Yeah. You know, and, and it depends on what kind of art someone's doing, too. So it's kind of, what are they doing, you know? So the advice would be, you know, kind of different. the kind of stuff. I guess some doing. music is by yourself, but a lot of it is. Huh? You mean uh, with other people. The drawn thing's kind of... Like man alone. Yeah, a lot of art. Well, that's the funny thing about <clears throat> when I switched to music. That was a strange thing for me because I had been doing no art. Ensemble. Yeah, all of a sudden, whoa! I had to talk to other guys <laughs> and make decisions. Uh. <laughs> you know, oh man, this guy wants to do that. And that guy wants that. When I was doing art, I was just making all the decisions myself. So I learned that. You so know? there's a little difference. Yeah, well, there's a lot in common. I want to thank you so much for letting me come down here and talk to you, Joe. Oh, good to see you, Mike. Thank so many you, years. man. And so proud. Thank you very much, man. Morris Steely, thank you for making this happen. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Uh, it's been the November 16, 2013 edition of Watt for Pedro show. I got to get up to the Echo Park. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>